Virality is not a strategy, but it's certainly a byproduct of consistency. All the people that went viral, I don't think they they could predict it, but they were they were they were putting things up. Now, what's not going to happen is you're going to be known and go viral from doing nothing. So that's we know that. Regular people are taking their knowledge and content, packaging it up in an online course, and they're making a living doing it. But not everyone is successful with online courses. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And I'm here to help course creators actually succeed with online courses. Hi, I'm Jacques Hopkins, and this is The Online Course Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome in. This is the show about online courses. It's called The Online Course Show. So if you're interested in having a profitable online course business, you're interested in growing your online course business, then you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Jacques Hopkins. I've had my own online course. It's a piano course for nearly 10 years now. It's allowed me to do so many cool things. It's allowed me to quit my job. It's allowed me and my family to travel all over the place and just live an awesome, awesome life and serve so many people in ways that I never thought possible. But on this podcast, I don't just talk about me and my story. We usually have on other course creators and I have a real treat for you today. My guest on the show today is probably the top person that I've wanted to have on this podcast ever since I created it over five years years ago. The guy's name is Jermaine Griggs, and he started his online course business 22 years ago. He started this way back in the year 2000. I don't don't think I would have even known how to register a domain back then. We are talking a long, long time ago. He has been incredibly successful with online business, with his online course, courses. In fact, he's in the piano niche. He is probably the OG of online piano courses, and I've been following his stuff for a very, very long time. It was such a treat to get to talk to him. Like I said, ever since starting this podcast, this is somebody that I wanted to have on, probably the very top person that I wanted to have on. In fact, a few years ago, I was planning to go to the ClickFunnels conference, Funnel Hacking Live, where there's like 5,000 people in the marketing space. They have some amazing speakers. I was kind of debating whether I wanted to go or not, and they started announcing the speakers that were going to show up and be speaking at that conference. And the very first person they announced that year was Jermaine Griggs. And I was like, oh man, if Jermaine is speaking, I'm definitely going to be there. And so I got to hear Jermaine speak. He talked a lot about automation, outsourcing, being able to travel with your family and have your online course business run on its own. Certainly a message that I can resonate with. When I got back from that conference, I thought it would be good to at least reach out to Jermaine and introduce myself, tell him I was there and how much I appreciated his his talk there at the conference. So here's the email that I wrote to Jermaine way back on February 17th, 2020. It said, hi, Jermaine, I just wanted to say hello and tell you how much I enjoyed hearing you speak at Funnel Hacking Live a couple weeks ago. When I heard you announced as a speaker, that's what put me over the edge to go. You're the OG, man. I teach piano online at pianoin21days.com and was fortunate enough to get my Two Comma Club Award this year at FHL. I have a young family too, and I love to travel, so I really enjoyed hearing about all the automation and systems, especially coming from someone that started with a piano course too. Thanks for the inspiration, Jacques. And guess what? Jermaine responded fairly quickly. 
Here was his response back then in 2020. He said, Jacques, pleasure to hear from you. You first came on my radar on Google slash YouTube a couple years back, and I've enjoyed following your work. I also noted how effective your retargeting was. Congrats on your success and growing family. Thanks for catching my talk. Didn't know you were there. Here's my info. If you ever want to bounce ideas, keep up the great work. All the best, Jermaine Griggs. That didn't just make my day, my week. That made my year. I remember getting that email and running to my wife. Babe, Jermaine Griggs knows who I am. It was such a special moment for me. This guy that I've looked up to for such a long time just even knew who I was, was truly amazing. But for some reason, I waited quite a while to invite him to come on the podcast. I guess I didn't want to seem like I was after something when I first reached out to him. But clearly, eventually, I did ask him to come on the podcast, and he was very, very happy and willing to do that. And that's what you'll be hearing very, very shortly. The conversation did not disappoint. But before we get into that, let me tell you about some free training that I have for you. If you're listening to this, you're interested in online courses, whether it's starting one or growing the one that you have, and you don't want to be moving forward using a system, using a formula that doesn't work or doesn't get you the optimal results. There is a formula for success with online courses, and I share with you that formula in a free training that I have for you, you can head to OC formula, which stands for online course formula.com OCformula.com to get that free training. It's completely free. I want to get you going on the right track here. So please check out that free training OCformula.com. All right. So this conversation with Jermaine, we talked about a lot of awesome stuff. Of course, we talked about how he got started 22 years ago with his online course business how he traveled with his family to 36 countries here recently over around a two-year period. We talked about how he goes about outsourcing nearly every aspect of his business, including the content side. So he no longer is the one on camera creating courses. He's no longer the one on camera doing marketing videos, YouTube videos, things like that. We talked about exactly how he outsources all of that. We talked about what would he do differently if he was starting today? here today and not back in the year 2000. One of my favorite quotes from this whole thing, and you'll hear us talk a lot about it, about this quote, because it kind of came up organically, but he said this, he said, virality is not a strategy, but a byproduct of consistency. And I've written that down. I've put it in several places now because I really believe that. He kind of made it up on the spot in this conversation, but I'm gonna say that again because it's really, really cool, really important, and really true. Virality is not a strategy, but it's a byproduct of consistency. So remember that. It's hard to plan for some video to go viral, but it's a byproduct of being consistent and doing things the right way, of course. And we talk a lot about automation because he's really become an automation guy. That was the focus of his speech there at Funnel Hacking Live. He's a big, big fan of automation. You'll hear all the scenarios that he recommends and is using. So, so many great nuggets. You're about to hear from probably the top person that I've ever wanted to have on this podcast. So without further ado, here is the full conversation between myself and Jermaine Griggs from hereandplay.com. Hi there, Jermaine. Welcome to the Online Course Show. Good to be here, Jack. How are you? I'm good. It's an honor to speak with you, man. Um, so did I catch you in one of your you know crazy travel excursions or are you at home base? 
I'm I'm resting now. We're at, we're at home base, but uh, we're getting ready to go out to celebrate our our anniversary soon. So uh, that should be a good trip. And of our business anniversary, or are we talking like wedding anniversary? Uh, more so wedding anniversary. Um, so we were supposed to, right when quarantine hit, uh, I had to cancel our trip to Bora Bora. And I've been having this flight credit for like two years now. And I think it expires December 31st. So uh, we're getting ready to use it and happy to get back out. Very nice. How many years are we talking, man? Uh, 18 now. 18. I, I, know, I, just I, look did. Young. I know I look young, but no, I've, I've been out the market for 18 years, really 22 high school sweethearts. Yeah, no, I know you've known your wife for quite a long time now, man. That's that's uh, that's an inspiration. We, we just hit 11. We're, we try to catch up to you, but 18 is definitely something to celebrate. Congrats, man. Thank you. Well, like I said, try to catch up to you. So one, you know, I got into this whole thing because I love to travel too. probably not to the extent that you do. But one thing I find that we do is we end up going to the same places over and over again because we, we find somewhere and we love it so much. Are you more of a, you know, find somewhere and keep going to the same place? Or are you more about finding new places to go to? Well, the year we did our voyage, um, I don't know if your audience knows, but we we took a voyage around the world to 36 countries in 2017, 2018, a little bit 2019. COVID hit, knocked us out of pretty much travel business. And um, so now we actually spend our time going back to our first country ever, which was Fiji on, on that voyage. We've been there five times. And then obviously other countries were just like one one hit, you know, wonders or whatever. So, yeah, we're like you, you know, Fiji's a, a favorite for the kids. You know, it's they're spoiled. <laughs> it's just it's nothing, you know, beyond Bora Bora. That's for us. You know, the budget is a little higher to bring the whole family yeah. there. But no, no, we, we like our favorites. But I try to push them to new experiences. So, you know, Cambodia was something that wasn't on our list, but Angkor Wat was something that they'll remember forever. Or, you know, uh, Jordan, we didn't know Petra. Uh, they didn't know Petra existed before our journey. So there there were some of the things like that, that you only really need to see once. You're not going to vacation there, but um, you definitely want to see them. Where do you like, how do you even do your research? Because like, I, you know, coming from the USA, like, there's Western Europe, like there's maybe South America. Like, how do you even know to go to some of these places? I'm going to be honest. When we left, I, I didn't know half of these wonders of the world existed. Uh, so as we were out, you know, you meet an Airbnb owner or something, and then they get on board with your whole, oh, my God, you guys are traveling. You got to go here. I remember when we were in France and um, the Airbnb owner was like, you got to go to Norway and you got to ride this train. I forgot no Norway in a nutshell, I think it's called. He's like, you leave from Oslo and then you get to Bergen. I didn't know what Bergen was. And so on a whim, based on his recommendation, I booked the trip and uh, we figured out that Norway is absolutely beautiful. Uh, you know, the water, what's the, the water? Uh, we stopped at one stop and I was like, wait. Voss. That's where Voss water comes from, you know? And then we stopped at another spot. And, oh, those, that's where the trolls, remember the troll, the, that big uh, trend, they come from there. And you just learn so many different things. So I would say it was like very organic. Like you said, we had our main places, but as we got out there and met people and just, I mean, we didn't know where we were going to be three weeks from, from now, let alone, you know, a few months. Yeah, I think like um, the Taj, I've heard you talk about the Taj Mahal before, and that that's never really been on my list. I mean, I knew what the Taj Mahal was, but I've never been like, oh, that's on my bucket list to go visit the Taj Mahal. But I remember watching you speak at uh, Funnel Hacking Live, the Click, ClickFunnels conference, I think it was 2019 or 2020, 
you were talking about some, you know, automation, you know, spreadsheet type thing and how it was running your running itself and you and your family were over at the Taj Mahal. And right. that's the like quote from your speech that really jumped out at me because you were doing this really cool thing that not a lot of people, at least, you know, the US, it's probably Taj Mahal is probably pretty famous worldwide, a big tourist destination for people all over the world. Um, but now I want to go to the Taj Mahal because you got this thing happening over here automatically making you money while you're doing these really cool things with your family. Yeah, man, it, it was beautiful. In fact, that wasn't on the list when we left. But as we got to that region of the uh, the world, you know, you got to go to Taj Mahal. You're already next door. So we added that to the list. And out of all the countries, we put up this picture. We, we were in the um, actual cultural garb and it went viral. And we got like, 20,000 subscribers on Instagram overnight on that picture. And sometimes every once in a while, we're in a restaurant as a family, me by myself, I, I wouldn't get recognized based on it. But then when people put, oh, wait, I remember that family. Um, I've had people come up to us like the traveling family. So it's crazy, like impromptu, some of the things that you'll do. And then all of a sudden it'll change the trajectory. And based on that picture, I mean, well, now we had an audience that was following us around the world. So I was, we added a few more spots that, you know, the audience then said, you guys got to go. Like they told us about, we already knew we wanted to go on a safari, but we didn't know about the great migration. You know, the Lion King in the beginning yeah. and all the animals are like going to meet Simba or whatever. I mean, that's fiction, but that's a real thing. Like August, September, they start migrating to, I guess, the Serengeti or whatever. And we caught that, you know, coming across the, the river and then you got the, uh, what do you call it? The I think it's alligators or whoever. You know, they're eating them, and it's just it's just the wild wild west out there. But it's the circle of life. So you know, we got to teach our kids. You know, well, the lion eats them. But look, the lion dies; it becomes the grass, and they eat the lion. And then we're at the top; we get to do whatever we want. You know. So, <laughs> but you know, I know this is about course creating. I think the connection to that is my course funded all of that. You know. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it afforded us the ability to be gone even to this day, you know, uh, the business runs itself and there's not too many businesses that you can get. And I, so I, I tell people we're living in the, I couldn't imagine doing what I'm doing 50 years ago. We're, we're living in the best times ever where you can share your knowledge. This is the knowledge economy and you can be location independent. Uh, you can be time, you know, have time independence, and, uh, and that's what really afforded us. There's not many models that uh, you could just leave and say goodbye and not show up for another 18 months while your business continues to run. So that's courses in a nutshell. Way to way to bring us back on track. I, I like to get <laughs> off the rails a little bit. Way to tie it right back into uh, what the audience is truly here for. And that's that's so true. And when I look at when I look at like a course business, um, there's there's a, there's a lot of different components that I like to break it down to. And what I find is one of the hardest to let go of and, and outsource or systematize is really on the front end, on the marketing side, on the discovery side. And when I look through your stuff today in 2022, obviously it's been around a long time. It looks like you're not the necessarily the main guy on camera anymore. And then you found other content creators, other course creators, even. How do you how would somebody go about, you know, outsourcing that piece of the business when it seems kind of like probably the hardest piece to do? That's interesting. So this is our 22nd year. I started in the year 2000, like Y2K, dot-com bubble um, at the University of California. Or, well, actually, before that, in high school, it was just a cute little project. I was making a few hundred dollars a month, but it got serious, you know, freshman year in high school. And I would say from about 
2000 to 2005, it was all me. I was the front man. I was on the courses. Um, and I had taught myself how to play gospel music, playing in the church, Pentecostal church. And so it occurred to me, you know, to teach neighborhood kids. Well, uh, you know, people ask me to teach their kids. But after that, you know what, I'm going to put these little books that I created for the kids. I'm going to put that online. And that created Here and Play. From there, people would ask us, hey, can you, instead of the books, can you do video? This was 2000. Two, you couldn't put very much video online. And if you could, 20 second clips. And they were Windows movie video, dot like WMV files, if, if you remember that. Um, and so YouTube came about and I said, you know what? There's an extent to what, what I know. And there are these really professional guys um, that I, I would rub elbows with in Hollywood and they were producing for all the stars and playing for all the big mega churches. And one of them in particular, I invited him to come to our studio. Yeah, this is what I got going on, you know. And he ended up uh, being my second or third hire. And he's the guy that if you went to our YouTube channel, you would presume that, you know, uh, he's he's the founder. He's the face. But uh, he's just someone who shared in my vision. And uh, we came to an arrangement. And he's, you know, he's happy. He's lucratively paid. But I get what I want as as vision man. Um, I get what I want. And I just uh, now I'm behind the scenes. And uh, so how does one do that? Um, well, you you got to get people to share in your vision and you have to be OK with not being the front man. In fact, if you go to here and play dot com, I remember with the designer, I made the decision. Most people, their picture would be first as founder. I actually put my picture second. Did you notice that? You know, JP's picture is first as the director of the Gospel Music Training Center. And then you see my little cute picture as founder and instructor. So, number one, you got to be OK with if, if this is, you know, if this is something that you want to do, if you want the actual freedom part. Now, not everybody wants the freedom part. But I also saw at one point my mentor, Corey Rudel, uh, rest in peace. He he uh, passed away in a car accident. He's the godfather of this whole game. Ask anybody. Ty Lopez attributes him. Frank Kern attributes him. Russell Brunson saw my story via Corey. Ryan Dice saw my story via Corey. Brendan, he's, but he passed away in 2005, um, tragically. And I remember he, him telling me, uh, Jermaine, if you ever want to sell your business, uh, and he was transitioning into this model as well, because he was the front man. So if you ever want to sell your business, you got to decentralize it away from you. And uh, plus, you know, I wasn't practicing as much. I was doing more of the marketing. It's hard to be both. It's hard to be talent and business. It's almost like an opposite side of the brain that runs. And when you want to get good at marketing and business, now you're going to get less good at the actual thing that you do. And then there's this balancing act. And I find like the truly creative people, they don't seem to be great. The people that hire me on the automation side, at least they don't seem to be great marketers and business people. And then the business people, um, they they tend to, um, at least at some point, start slacking on the thing that was their main thing. So instead of me trying to balance both of those and not do any of them um, optimally, I said, I'm going to handle the business side. I love this marketing side. I could read this marketing stuff. I got a, a collection. This is just my cute library for the downstairs, but the 2000 books are upstairs. And that's the real, and I can read this stuff all day. But um, so I said, I'm going to let other people handle the instructional part. I'm going to direct it and I'm going to always give the vision. Like the last course was my brainchild, but um, it was the creation of my team, the instructor. So um, that's kind of been the thing for the last 15 years. 
And um, and I just pay them well. So they're not mad when I'm traveling, you know, because, you you know, you have those kind of human psychology dynamics like boss man's gone and, you know, but uh, paid well and incentivized well, you can make it work. I'm selfishly asking that question because I feel like I do a, a decent job of like auto- automation and outsourcing and whatnot. But that's the piece that it is hard to let go of. And I, I mean, we have somebody in charge of, you know, customer support and working with students on the inside. And, you know, the whole sales process is pretty, pretty well automated. But when we need to create new content, we need to do more content marketing. You know, I'm, I'm still the face of everything. You go to my website, my face is first, Jermaine. It's I'm not second. I'm not I'm not down the page. It's still like, hi, I'm Jacques. You know, this is this is my baby. And part of it is like just being able to let go of that. And it, and I'm sure on some level that's a that's an ego thing, uh, but I, I would say part of it too is just like being able to find like the perfect person or people to jump in there. So I, I'm guessing you would attribute some of that success in outsourcing it to just really finding the right people too, right? That's right. And I mean, you you've got a very cool personality. You're natural in the camera. You know, you you just got that it thing. And no, we um, got to bring the ego down, not up, Jermaine. Come I know. <laughs> as I pump you up, you know. But no, everybody that starts as their own front person that has that knack of of speaking and articulating themselves, and if they're great teachers, I mean, it's going to be very hard because at the same time. I mean, these are just things I've noticed. Um, they're not fact, but creative people also don't tend to be the best speakers and teachers. You know, when I found at least the guys that I've interviewed, genius musicians, but you put them in front of a camera over the years. And I've worked with 30, 40 different people that I tried to find, you know, that guy um, and they're illiterate. I'm like, man, there's a genius, you know, for the music, but Uh, That grammar doesn't necessarily transfer to teaching or whatever. And even the customers will notice, you know, uh, we need great teachers. And and that's one thing that I I am and was when I was a frontman is a great teacher. I could take something like major scales and, you know, the whole step, half step formula. And, you know, 20 years ago, I said, why won't he wear white when hot? Like, that's how you remember, you know, the whole step, whole step, half step, whole step, whole step, whole step, half step. And people run up to me in the gym. Why won't he wear white when hot, man? You know, I've had true story. I've had that happen. So I'll, I'll say stuff like if you know your major, you know, your minor, you know, um, and how I get that is, you know, you could take the major scale and start and end on a six tone and that'll give you the relative minor scale. And I will always tell people, like, if you know your major, you know your minor. So I, I wasn't so um, tuned into how the classical world did it. I made my own strategies and fundamentals. And and so it's hard to find somebody that thinks like that, thinks outside of the box and can articulate and put it all together. So that part, I, I don't even know if I have answers except going through through a lot of people. But nowadays, you know, I'm looking for coaches because we've um, kind of ascended our model into now. We've got group coaching on the back end that you wouldn't even know of if you just went to hereonplay.com. So I am actively looking for people like myself. And through like type form and video ask, and you could almost put a funnel together. And that's actually what we're doing now. I'm trying to create the perfect funnel where I can just throw a thousand people in it and out will pop the 10 that I'm looking for. But it'll be a, a it'll be automated. You know, it'll be a, a my core competencies. I know how to take someone. OK, you answer those questions right. Bam, 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 bam. OK, now do a mock lesson for me. That'll take them to video ask. And then if they pass that, it'll create a final sort of like document, like a profile for them that'll come to my desk. And I'm hoping that I'll find the, the 10 that I'm looking for um, that way. 
but no, over time, you know, like, for example, the guy who uh, did Kanye's gospel choir, you guys know Kanye West was like doing a gospel choir for a while. We've got a course with him in 2008. Um, I mean, we've gotten some of the best guys in the world in gospel music. And it was through the one guy that I told you about that I got in 2005. If it were up to me, I didn't know any of these guys. I was on the outside. I, I grew up in a small Baptist church. I wasn't a part of the in crowd in Los Angeles, but I got the guy. And once I got that guy, um, he got all the rest of them and, uh, and out of them. Um, it went through my filter of, okay, this is a great teacher versus just an entertainer. And, uh, and the ones that made it, they're on our faculty today. So it's, it's very possible to, to do it. Um, but it just starts with the, uh, the intention. You say, okay, I want a faculty beyond myself. And, um, you know, like, for example, I read uh, Chet Holmes' book, uh, kind of taught me how to put ads out there for, for what you need. And we did that. I, I remember one time we did an audition. It's like we're looking for instructors, world class, uh, Internet, music school or whatever. And we literally got 200 applicants to show up to a hotel. And 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 how we got them there is at the time I, I was teaching Warren G how to play piano, believe it or not. He came to my house. I taught him regulator and everything. His own song. I taught it back to him. And so he was one of our judges. And we just made this like American Idol type uh, teacher event. We recorded it all. And out of that came Hear and Play Sax 101. We never released it, but I have the footage on YouTube. Um, Hear and Play Guitar came out of that. Hear and Play uh, Gospel Guitar 101 came out of that. Hear and Play Drums 101, 102, 103 came out of that. Um, we did a Hear and Play Flute. We never really released that one. Um, so, yeah, that I've been through a lot. I've been through that whole thing. And um, after doing all that, you know, I figure that um, you don't want to spread yourself too thin anyway. Your name is piano in 21 days unless you change the guitar in 21 days and then flute in 21 days. And at some point you just say, hey, in 21 days, incorporate it, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you don't want to spread yourself too thin. So what I've learned from that is we're full circle right back to gospel piano where I started. And uh, that's where we're, we've honed in on. Yeah. Fortunately, I never like, I'm glad I didn't call mine like piano with Jacques or, or you know, yours isn't <laughs> piano with Jermaine. It's like, at least our name's not in the brand to where we can, sure. we can still, uh, you know, run the company, but have other people out there teaching some of our methodologies, you know, that not acronym, but that phrase you used, uh, about wearing white when hot, you know, they, I'm sure your people are teaching that even though you came up with it. Right. right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Do you, you mentioned one of your mentors, um, said that you kind of had to do that if you ever wanted to sell it. I mean, is that in the plans for you to, to sell this business one day? To be honest, no. Um, my kids are coming of age now. You know, I've got a 16 year old. She loves music. She loves, she said, I'm not supposed to say vinyls with an S on the end. If ever I want to get on her nerve, I say vinyls. I guess that's apparently not a word and it's a sin to say, but she buys like records every day. She's into anything like, like, like uh, these bass players from the fifties and I mean, I don't know where she came from because um, so I'm seeing the music bug is passed down somehow, so I'm, you know, and then my son, he's very rhythmic. So I feel like this is a, a generational thing that I think that I can morph them to be the instructors of the next generation or whatnot. Um, but if, you know, if it came to it um, and we continue to build and I, I do think with the decentral, like it's it's not built upon me. So that part is good. Um, we've got the systems. Um, 
So I think it's just a matter, you said letting go. I think that would be my last thing because that's my baby. That's my claim to fame. It's like, I I mean, I'm, I'm turning 40. I got some great, I'm already dealing with identity because I've been doing this for so long. And I would tell anybody in their twenties that thinks that, you know, they're just going to maintain the same amount of passion for two decades. Um, well, you're going to get my age and you're going to start asking different questions, you know, after 22 years, like, what do I, what do I really want to do? You know, or, so, you know, I don't know. To be very transparent and honest, I don't know what the future holds. I don't, you know, I've done the travel thing to to uh, scratch an itch of curiosity. Uh, I've delved in uh, B2B, you know, I train people in the automation world and things like that. That scratched some curiosity, but I'm always back to my baby. This is my baby and I don't know if I can let it go so easily. That's that's how I a lot of times I refer to mine as well. Now mine's not near as old as yours. Mine I started in 2013. And every time somebody will will suggest maybe I I sell mine, I'm like, how could I sell my baby? You know, that's the thing that allowed me to quit my job. It's allowed me to do all these cool things, and the the to just to just sell it is just like it's almost blasphemy at this point. Right. Uh, something like this. Now, what if you were like, what if you were starting over? Um, if if you were starting over and and or starting today in 2022 instead of 2000. And like knowing everything you knew, but let's say that you never, you know, started here in play. What would the what would the path look like for you? I don't know if you you probably thought about this before. Like, how would you get started with some sort of knowledge business like this today in 2022? Yeah, it's a lot different, but then it's also like history repeats itself. So, I mean, for me, I, I break it down to either got time or you got money. Now, if you're asking if I had to start exactly the way I started with no money, grew up in, you know, inner city, um, I literally read took $70 I made at church one Sunday and registered here and play, you know, GoDaddy for $9 is we're spoiled now. It was network <laughs> solutions back then. And um, so I didn't have money. But what I would do is I would go around to all the Yahoo groups. They were called Yahoo groups back then. I don't know if they exist. The message boards, the bulletin boards, the I forgot what BB, whatever. And I would just post. Um, sometimes I would just I, don't, I guess you call it spam. them, But um, I had I had lessons and things that I would contribute to the groups and I would build my list. And it wasn't even a list in that sense. It was. It was a Yahoo group of my own that I was a moderator of, and they let you export email addresses. So by 2002, I had about 700 people in my group that I had just built up one person at a time by going to other groups and just trying to give give value, right? Um, chat rooms and AOL groups and, and this sort of thing. But if you think about it, yeah, that was 20 years ago. But what's the equivalent of that today? You know, the Brennan Burchards and such will tell you. Get on social media and start giving value, you know, with a phone. What did they say? They say like in our pocket now is equivalent or more powerful than what Reagan used to run the free world or whatever. You know, we've got that, you know, but how are we using the Internet? And so I teach my kids that uh, what side of the Internet are you on? I like dualities, dichotomies. So it's like, are you the consumer or are you the, the creator? So if I was starting all over, I. You know, I'd obviously be probably working a day job or something, but in every free time that I had, I wouldn't be Netflixing and chilling. I wouldn't, I'd get, I teach my kids also about virtue and vice. I think we're reading Ryan Holiday's book and I'm like, okay, here are the virtues, here are the vices. I know you guys like Roblox and Fortnite and all that stuff, but look, guys, 
I think I'm too hard on them. When I was 12, I was selling Avon. By the time I was 16, you see the business that affords us all this stuff. I started that as a your age, teaching kids like you can start now. So I think it's always hard when, when you know, a dad grows up like me and then he tries to push that same thing onto his kids. But at the same time, I'd be using my, my time like that. Like, OK, well, it, well, what if it doesn't work? I put up a video and nobody sees it. OK, well, you're watching Netflix. Okay, so with your available time, go figure out that thing that you want to start or or you know better than anyone else. Doesn't have to be something you're degreed in. I'm not degreed in music. Guess what my my degree was? Law and criminology. I'm supposed to be the next big defense attorney. I I wanted to be like some like Johnny Cochran or whatever. And I I was graduation speaker, always had a knack for that. Met the president. That was my, you know, roadmap, and I guess you could say I tore up that and and did and and went home to teach the piano, you know. And um, it's funny because all my neighbors they'll introduce me to like some other big shot and be like, "Yeah, Jermaine's a piano teacher." I'm like, "Well, it's a little deeper than that, guys." But um, <laughs> you know, I, I would like to say I run a piano or music training education business. You know, two different things. That's a service versus a scale scalable business. But I digress. I would say start giving value. You know, start creating content, YouTube, podcasts like this, you know, and it'd be the equivalent of the time versus money. Uh these things take time. Yeah. But you're in the game knowing that I'm I'm building my audience and I'm giving value to my audience. And you know the first course I released, I gave two years of I guess you could say this message board value, just going around and sending you know messages to my Yahoo groups. And then when I actually released my first, well, I, I would say the remake of my course, The Secrets to Playing Piano by Ear, 300-page course, which I wrote from scratch in my dorm room, December of 2001, released it March 2002. Because I had built up so much value and really hadn't asked for much, I wasn't running sales and all that stuff. I was just giving value. So when I actually released it March 2nd, 2002, I made $1,100 in my first day. And for me, you know, on financial aid in a dorm, $1,100, never seen that in a day in my account, other than the deposit that you got to then go give right to the school. And the next day I made $300. And then the next day I made like two. And then the next day I made 315. And by the end of that month, I made $8,000. That that was my wake up call. I went from like a few hundred dollars here and there, which is like like four sales a month, you know, to shipping out like 100 books, March 2002. And it was because I had given value. And when it came time to actually sell, you know, um, people were pent up. And I see that you do this. I actually... Oh, uh, you know, the last I went to your website, your course was closed. And I figure that you spend your time giving value, 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 and then you open and then, you know, you build up and then you you expire, you close it. And I love that model. I mean, I mean that if 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 I were starting, I would certainly I would have a whole year or whatever of giving value, knowing that I'm building up my list. And when I release that course, you probably make in a day uh all you'd backtrack and make everything you would have made if you just pushed your course from the beginning. You probably do that in the day in the pent up value. And I've seen that. And I've also seen times where we hammered our list and said, man, where where have our results gone? Because it's the opposite. We're pulling deposits. So um, or we're withdrawing, you know, so you're either depositing 
value building or your deposit. I mean, withdrawing, you know, pulling value. And so you have to be cognizant of that as as a creator and an online entrepreneur. But yeah, that if I was starting all over, I'd do that. I'd be building my list from day one, some kind of uh, lead magnet. Um, I, I mentor uh, another person in the piano niche. And I'm telling her, everything you're doing is awesome. It's just that your list is only 5,000 people. So your your numbers are awesome. Uh, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Extrapolate it to my numbers. You, you'd have a seven-figure operation here. So now you just, you've got to build your list. You know, we built our list a dollar a lead. That was my number. If I could get a lead for a dollar, I'd spend as much as I, I, I could. And that's how we built, you know. I, I probably have have had uh, 1.3 million people on my list over time. I have to clean it every year. So you're you're getting rid of 50,000 here, 50,000 there, and you settle at, you know, a few hundred thousand people or whatnot, but you're building value and you're collecting names. And from those names, at some point, you're going to monetize and they're going to reward you. And the universe also is, is going to balance it out. I, I do believe that. You've got a knack for speaking, Jermaine. I don't know if you ever you ever uh, thought about doing a lot of a lot of public speaking. I'm, I'm joking, obviously, but you just you, you go and you go, and I'm sitting over here just like writing notes, and then it's like, oh wait, like which of these know, you topics do I have? Oh, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Do I go down? No, no, no. Don't apologize. This is, this is awesome. You um obviously I agree with that response, and I think that for a lot of people, when you've never done it before, I, you know, I love that you're teaching your kids, you know, consumer versus producer. On these mm-hmm. on these platforms and whatnot, um, we've never done it before. It can be so scary to be the one that's actually producing the content on these platforms that you've just for years been the consumer on, and it's you know never been easier to do it. It's only getting easier and easier and easier. And today, the the short form stuff is the lowest barrier to entry. Like I'm talking TikTok, Instagram Reels, YouTube Shorts. Um, and so I've, I've been telling people that lately, like get on those platforms and start putting one one short video out every day, every day, because right at first, nobody's going to see it when you're just getting started. But it's about that consistency uh, over time and at putting real value out there that can actually help people. Absolutely. And it's like virality is not a strategy, but it's certainly a byproduct of consistency, you know, and you know all the people that went viral i don't think they they could predict it but they were they were they were putting things up now what's not going to happen is you're going to be known and go viral from doing nothing so that's we know that so you're out there and i'll give you a story my daughter um i don't just speak to them about things that they're not doing my daughter's actually on the creation side she does these Roblox at her channel, Sunnyside Gamer X. She she loved the shout out I gave her. She's mm-hmm. like 11, 12. Well, now she's going to be 13. I have her stuck as an 11-year-old. She's growing up. She'll be 13 next month. And she's got like, I think, 5,000 subscribers on YouTube. She just passed some threshold where you can unlock something. And then she's got like 60,000 between her TikToks. And then she's got 20,000 on Instagram. I, I'm seeing like this little empire. I'm, I'm like little Oprah, like... So she, she, she's actually going in the, the footsteps of, of and, and so me and my wife will, will like debate over like, well, they're on their phones and we'll screen time them. And, and then I'm like, well, I'm also with Gary Vee on this, that this is their future. I know we're trying to put them in our box, but, you know, even if we uh, limit them to it, if they're on the creation side, babes. They could set up their future. You talking about paying for college and stuff. This girl's already got a hundred thousand. Like, let's 
let's let's have some balance. Let's be a 21st century parent. But at the same time, you know, if they're if they're just on there goofing around and being consumers. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to limit their time. So I have seen it from her. And um, now I'm encouraging her to even get off of Roblox because it's animated and all that. Like, just show your face, like be you, show your room and stuff. So, um, yeah, we're going through that with with my own kids. And I would love like, you know, I I think parents stuck in the the old era, you know, still want their kids to be lawyers and doctors and we need them. Don't get me wrong. But if my kid busted out as a big YouTuber, I'd be like, Hercules, like, because that's, that's the era I grew up. I'd be I'd be proud to have the silver. We already have a silver button for here and play, but I'd love for my kids to have that. It's a new game. And, you know, if you if you can build an audience in this day and age, think about what automation is going to do to us. And, and this is one thing I do know. I feel like I know for sure that we've got about 10, 15 years before most people are not going to have a job like the robot is going to take over most of the monotonous stuff what are you really going to be left with if a robot can logic can do anything that's logical a robot could probably at some point it'll be able to do a brain surgery you know you're you're literally talking about like a a, a really specialized job like that that may not be 100% safe what are you left with can a robot tell a good joke can a robot entertain all the bored people that are probably at home, probably living on a universal income because you can't figure out what to do with all these people. I mean, Uber's going to be out. I mean, drivers, truckers, like you got to think about these things, right? We're trying, we're trying to live in the future on past models. So I'm totally about everybody getting a piece of this creator game in whatever way that you can. You bake a mean apple pie, Share it. I'm telling you, you never know. I saw one guy in our niche. I don't know if you've come across him, but he's he's a great piano player. And he took a Nicki Minaj or no, not Nicki Minaj, <laughs> Cardi B. Cardi B is going off on somebody on TikTok. He reharmonizes her thing. You saw yeah, that I can't remember his name, but I've seen it on YouTube. He's a YouTube. Yeah. He's got a lot of subscribers on YouTube, right? Yes. Overnight, overnight, like in a year. And I mean, it's it's X-rated what she's saying, and it's totally against my brand. I couldn't do this, but he reharmonized it with some sweet chords. It's like literally a minute long, and it goes viral. Doing what he does, just thinking a little bit more creative, you know. Like in gospel music and Pentecostal music, we have this part of the service where um, it's a jubilee, it's a shouting period. I don't know if you've been on our channel and seen it. It's fast. It's it's ju- jubilant. And so what I'm seeing people doing is they're taking people like I think Kevin Hart was doing a dance in the gym or something. And somebody put that together, like gospel shouting music with Kevin Hart and made it seem like those things went together. It went viral. So it's not just the boring thing. You know, we're living in a world now where you're you're going to be rewarded for your creativity and your novelty. And so um, these ways exist. So just get out there and be creative. It's not even based on on even your face now. It's it's your ability to put different things that are seemingly different together that somehow relate to what you do that can send you on your way to being in front of hundreds of thousands of people. And once you're in front of the people, it's up to you to, to direct them uh, in the way that you can to, to monetize and make a living. And the thing about it is people love to support those. My, my wife, she loves podcasts and every once in a while she'll buy stars and I'm like, what are you doing? I support, you know, so, you know, we're, we're in the new world. And so create, that's what I will say.
And um, although I'm not creating per se, uh, our channels are creating. So we're constantly creating through the people um, that that work with me. And um, and so, and you know, that uh, maybe I'll get back out there and create myself as well. Uh, but I enjoy the behind the scenes. You said something a little while ago, I wrote down, I don't know if, if this was uh, something you, you know, a quote you heard from somebody else, or if I can attribute it to, to you. What, it's did right, I, what did I say? I think you said virality is not a strategy, but it's a byproduct of consistency. I actually made that up on the spot. Like Google that right now and that won't come up. That's me. I, I made the, what did I say again? So I can write right, it down. <laughs> right. So virality is not a strategy, but it's a byproduct of consistency. And that's I think, I, I mean, that's, that's perfect. That's a good summation of, of, of kind of what you've been talking about the past little bit. And I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of these people maybe listening to this, maybe they haven't gotten started and they're like, Jermaine, that sounds great, but I don't have like any great value to offer to people. You mentioned that person with the Cardi B song, that person, you know, is really, really talented with, with making that happen. But I think, uh, I think everybody's got something inside of them. And that consistency could just be about consistently trying new things and seeing if something eventually sticks. And one 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 challenge or problem I see people um, have with with not ever getting off the ground is they stop before they get any traction. You know, they mm -hmm. put five pieces of content out there, it doesn't catch on, so they give up, or then they switch um, switch to something else. And so I think it's probably not only the consistency within a niche, but um, of being able to eventually find whatever your main thing is. Yep. Yep. You know, um, one guy I came across who underscores your point there, you know, that consistency is um, this guy, uh, Justin McClure, I can barely, McClure family, and they, they're viral. Like these, these, his girls are these cute twins and they got like millions and millions of subscribers on YouTube and it's everywhere. And I asked him, I, is it you feel like it's hard to keep up and having to beat yourself each time you got to beat yourself because you've been viral and then you're looking for that next viral hit and he and we're walking around our community and he goes no Jermaine you have to get to the point where the process is what you enjoy and and he says once he releases it he doesn't care about the numbers he actually doesn't even uh, look at the comments I don't know if you should do that but he releases it and he says that content, he sees it because he's in the entertainment. It's just like family vlogging type of style thing. And uh, he's like, just that that, that content is going to make somebody happy that might be depressed or that content is going to bring joy into somebody's life. I enjoy just releasing that into the universe. And whatever happens, you know, if one out of 20 of those go off to be wildly successful. And, you know, obviously we benefit from it. So I'll say that is that um, if you're in the mind frame of, okay, well, Jock said, or Brendan said, I got to put up content and, and every content you're waiting for it to go viral, then I think you're going to, you're going to stop short because it, it's like the gym. It's like losing weight or, you know, it's like, if you're expecting, you know, you know, and I got a little bit, you know, but it took a while, you know, and I, I actually used to be overweight and, um and be, and I think I would start and stop because I was looking for the result. Um, too soon. So I think framing yourself to, look, I'm going to do this for five years. You know, I'm just going to commit for five years and I'm going to actually find something I enjoy sharing content about. And the fact that I just enjoy it and I just put that out there and just think of it like you're, say, 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 um, your grandma likes this topic as well. Just 
like you're doing a video for grandma. And every time you do it, you send grandma the link. Think of it like that. But then the rest of the world gets to benefit from it as well. You know, think that kind of framing will keep you in the game long enough for what we said about virality. You know, if, if virality is to hit, it's probabilistically uh, more often to hit you being consistent for five years than it is the person that is one off. It's going to put something up and expect like, what is the odds of playing the lottery for the first time and becoming a lottery winner? What are the odds of ever becoming a lottery winner? You know, but um, I would say the person that probably plays it more often will, you know, probably be one of the ones that hit it. I don't know if somebody's to hit it. Um, so virality is not a strategy, but certainly um, people go viral and uh, it might as well be you through your consistency. And I think we could, I, I, it makes me think we could probably replace that first word in the in the quote and apply it to other things as well. When you're, you're flexing, talking about the gym, it's like you could say, getting swole is not a strategy, but a byproduct of consistency. So we can apply that to a lot of things. Absolutely. That end result, that desire, you know, oftentimes you can't control uh, the result of your action, you know, because there's so many moving parts, right? And fitness is a little bit more formulaic than most things. I mean, calories in, calories out. I mean, it's it's so simple, but it's so hard. Like to even to go to Bora Bora, I still got a little gut here that I'm working on. It's so simple. I know the I know the strategy, but the 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 act of not eating the muffin that the wife keeps buying, you know, I'm trying to blame it on her. It's so simple not to do it, but it's so hard, you know. So um yeah, some things are easier than others, but something with so many moving parts like going viral, which which um some people have claim they figured it out with Mr. Beast and those kind of guys. But I mean, for the most part, you know, the average person's just not going to hit a button and, and go viral tomorrow with any level of certainty. So you just, you're left with your consistency and your enjoyment of the process. So I actually enjoy going to the gym, me and my wife, and it's a part of our lifestyle now to the point where we miss a gym day. It's, it, you feel it. You're like, wait, Something's not like I missed, you know. So as long as that, you'll get the byproduct of the biceps and stuff like that. But if you're going waiting for the result, you're going to die out. Let's uh, let's jump over and talk a little about automation, automation clinic. Uh, you were you were talking about the the kind of funnel and automation you put into place for attracting and and, and hiring uh, people earlier. And, and you can really tell how passionate you are about automation. And I remember the the talk that I heard you give at the at that conference. You you shared your freedom formula and all that. Uh, when when did you when did you notice that you were you you love geeking out on automation and and turn it into a business? That was 2008. So I was um, I you know having grown this business from 70 bucks. I I got I had to learn all this technology. You know I learned front page before there was a WordPress. I had to just make the HTML pages myself. Um, so I learned all that stuff. So I, I early found that, you know, I had a knack for, for the tech stuff behind the scenes as well. And so we moved over to Infusionsoft about 2008. And, uh, and I saw, wow, all the things that, uh, we could do with conditions, if this and then this and conditional things. And you mean to tell me if they click this, I can tag them, but then I can use that tag to change and affect a paragraph in the future. So they could tell me they're a beginner that hasn't played longer than a year. And you mean like three months later, I could throw that into my, my email so that, you know, if a thousand people got that email, they effectively got, 
you know, it could be 30 different versions of that email without with me just, you know, hitting one button. So I got infatuated with personalizing experiences and I coined the term like, you know, automation should really be looked at as scaling personal attention. It's like Jermaine's this personal guy and emails this sort of impersonal thing. But what can you do with your practices by collecting data and observing behavior where you can spit that back out in your processes to appear very personal. And so that, that's what we do with, um, you know, anybody becomes a customer or a member. We keep up with things that they're they're doing and we tag them. We have some like 3,000 tags in our system. And anytime we send, say, a, a client newsletter or something, you'd be thinking you're getting the newsletter that I'm sending to everybody. But no, the first paragraph is based on how long you've been a member, even an offer you get in there. Like you might get the lifetime offer because you're an annual member, but you may get the annual offer because you're a quarterly member. And you may get the quarterly offer because you're a monthly member. That's just a block. It's a block with some if-then code. And every platform does it differently. Infusionsoft is called dynamic content, but now there's so many other platforms that have made it easy. So automation is also a a mindset. Um, I I think of automation as uh, ways to extend my senses, you know, hearing. That's... Collecting information, you know, speaking, that's personalizing that same information. Um, eyesight, that's viewing the things that they're they're clicking on and, and keeping up with that and uh, surveying them and tasting. That's like different types of lead magnets you throw out there as tests. And, you know, and, and so we've, we've just sort of figured out how to um, take the technology and humanize it so that when people come to us, I haven't been in front of a course in 13 years personally, but through my automation, people feel like they know me. And it's like, it's, it's, I'm still Jermaine, even though I'm dated in my courses. People don't recognize me in, in real life based on my courses. I'm stuck at 23 year old Jermaine or whatever, 25 year old Jermaine. Um, from my last personal course. Um, now I should correct that. I just came out with a course that I'm I'm the host in, but JP's really sitting at the piano and I'm sitting beside him. That's 15 years in the making. And it just came out um last Wednesday. So, you know, and and that was a um uh, a result of surveying and figuring out what people wanted. What we learned was these big DVDs that we used to, we used to have these five hour DVD courses and things like that. What we learned is that people wanted manageable bite-sized lessons. So our newest course, the 100, five minute, it's 100 lessons. That's why it's called the 100. And, uh, Gospel grammar system is the uh, byline and it's five, seven minute lessons. And uh, we learned that also through through our, our surveying uh, processes. But back to the automation, automation is just figuring out Okay, how can I make this this scenario here more personal? How can I improve my conversions by showing them, for example, something I invented back in the uh, Infusionsoft days was when they got their upsells. I don't know if you can do this in ClickFunnels, but I wanted to send them to the exact upsell. And we were using the shopping cart, not a funnel at that time. So it's like, if they bought this, how could I send them to the best next product? So I invented like this cycler thing, if you will. And it's just based on the same if then, you know, if they have this, then put this in front of them. So I think, um, you know, anybody interested in in um, automation, um, they're, they're interested in if then logic. And it's just like, if this happens, 
what is the best possible response then that I can do? And that's in my emails. That's in my SMS. Um, that's in my, my, my landing pages, anything that you can control. And I do this to this day. The lazy Jermaine would just put one um, asset in place in my funnel or in my follow-up. But the optimal Jermaine is like, you know, there's about four or five different ways I should be presenting this if I want the optimal conversions. And it's just the Jermaine that's going to show up, you know, when he's architecting it. Um, but yeah, the, the automation would skew for here's the best possible experience for this person, given the knowledge or the information I know about them. And that's how I would um, summarize it. Do you, so what is automation clinic? Do you, is that just uh, you consulting with businesses on adding automation to their business? Yeah. So I, I actually came out with that course in 2012, actually teaching all these philosophies and it was the geekiest, most high <laughs> level to this day. Like, some of my clients that came out of that, Amy Porterfield, Ramit Sethi, uh, Frank Kern bought my stuff, his cousin Trey, Ryan Dice was in my automation. Like it's, it's the who's who of marketers because they were trying to figure out in gospel music, how am I pulling um, these kinds of lifetime values? How am I pulling these kinds of numbers? And it was through the personalization. It was through really honing in on who they are, like even on my order form, if you go to hearandplay.com slash join GMTC, uh, G Gospel Music Training Center, if, if I'll go there too. Uh, one, just you, it, it would just pass you up. You wouldn't even, you know, the average person, wait, hearandplay.com slash join GMTC. The average person would be like, oh, okay, it's just a little survey on his order form. No, it's the beginning of my if statement. Right. Okay. Because you're joining, you're giving me money. If you scroll to the bottom left, tell us about yourself. Select your favorite style of gospel, newer contemporary style, older traditional, up temple praise and shouting, slower worship style, contemporary Christian style, classic hymn and congregational. And then tell me your experience level. Beginner, I know little to nothing. Intermediate, I tickle the keys a little bit. Advanced, I play very well. Okay. Because the sale is just the beginning of the, the relationship. We take for granted the fact that when somebody is willing to join your membership site, that they're going to stay forever. That's not true. So given that information, that's the if. Now, what are all the things I can do with the then? Could I change up their welcome sequence based on just those two pieces of information? The, the paragraphs in the email, could they send them to the optimal lesson given that they're a beginner that wants to learn traditional music or perhaps you know the 100 is their core foundational lessons that everybody's going to go through but can i frame it differently as i'm getting them back you know in your 14 day welcome sequence or whatever given just those two pieces of information they're all going to the same course but how you send them there is everything how you pre-frame that is everything so it could be since you're into traditional um you know styles i can't tell you enough how important learning your scales are. And I know that's the first you know, 10 or so lessons or whatever is going to build up to scales and number system. So it's the same number system that I'm going to frame for the guy that says he's into up-tempo stuff, but just that information. So to me, that's automation. It's, it's, it's not, that's automation. Um, and it's what you do with that on the back end. And from if I wanted to make a one-time offer, <laughs> what, what what's the better offer? You know, somebody puts up-tempo uh, music there. And then on the thank you page through my little cycler script I told you I developed, wow, the upsell was about up-tempo um, charismatic music, which for me is Gospel Keys 300. 
So that's automation. That's that's how you do these things. And nobody, I mean, even now, this was this is 10 years ago, Jack. This is 2012. We're doing that. And even now it hasn't caught up. So if I were to like consult with even my good friend Russell at ClickFunnels, I'd be like, this is 3.0. Like, hey, add in some conditional stuff on the funnels. Like, like, you know how you can collect stuff on the web form on this page? Just give us some some conditional branches. You're automatic. That's that's my personalized, that's that's my scale personal attention. You automatically take your conversions up. You just split people. And it's not for the faint of heart, but for those who get it and know that, wow, I can put a different offer in front of somebody based on what they tell me on the previous step. It's golden. And, and that's how you take your conversions. You get somebody, you know, upsell. And I had at one point I had an 80% upsell rate on one of my upsell takes. And it's just, it's not rocket science. You told me something on a previous step. And I'm just picking the, the then, if then, that's best for you. It's simple. But the tech is hard to do, you know, for the average person. Yeah, for sure. Uh you you obviously have a knack for it. So given all that, given all the automation and everything, like what 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 does a normal work week look like for you? Are you doing the whole four-hour work week thing or what? <laughs> well, yeah, I've had, you know, 22 years at this. So obviously during the travel, that was like a four-hour work month, I felt like it, you know. It was kind of like whenever I had a moment to check into things and um not too many projects going on while I was gone, but now I feel like I'm getting my groove back. It's something something about now. I don't know if it's because I'm turning 40 or whatever, but I'm feeling myself. I mean, the 100, you know, kept us pretty busy. Anytime you're launching, you know, this launches are, you know, they keep you, they keep you pretty busy. So I feel like, you know, in all honesty, I'm working. I feel like I'm actually working and I'm enjoying, I'm being back in the saddle. We've welcomed um, several people into the 100. So obviously servicing them, um, now we have this community type setup in the back end. It used to just be this course silo where you just do the course on your own. Now we're using like Mighty Network, that type of thing. So the members are ever so connected. So now, you know, you got stuff on the timeline. You're having to answer questions. And I think um, in the long run, the benefit of that is going to outweigh the uh, the added stress of, of servicing the members publicly like that. Um, so we're enjoying that change, which has been a change as of this year. Um I'm consulting here and there, you know, I, I still get automation clinic uh, consultations, although I only I only do the high end. Like, for example, Neil Patel is one of my last clients, Sam Oven. So I'll take clients like that that are interesting. Um, and obviously, I'll, I'll charge them the, the type of money that this information is worth. But in terms of the, the day to day, I, I really do enjoy falling back behind the scenes. Um, but I, you know, to be honest, Jack, I wrestle with like, do I want to be a front end guru? You know, I see all my friends that started with me. I see the Russells. I see the Ryans. I see the Franks. I mean, I've been out longer than any of those guys. And I'll peek out, speak on their stages, go back into hibernation. And for the most part, like, where's Jermaine ever at? I, he doesn't really share. And so I don't know what 40 will do. But I do feel a, a calling. I want to write a book. I, I do feel a calling to do more. So what I'll tell like my young people that I mentor, I say, you know, automation also, Les Brown says this, he says, the thinking that has gotten you this far has created problems that this thinking cannot solve. So part of that is like, so my automation lifestyle has made me so free that it's also made me lazy or it's made me not as hungry 
as the 20 year old Jermaine. So now I'll go to the gym and I work hard there. I see where my interests are. So, you know, I own fitfounder.com. It's like, should I do something with that? You know, I've got, you know, entrepreneur is an entrepreneur is an entrepreneur. You're always, you know, where I have so many interests. Unlike the, the scenario you said, where like, I, I just feel like I have so many interests that's like, that could be a business, that could be a business. And what do I want to do in, the, in my 40s? I feel like the music, um, it runs itself. JP's my director. Brian's director of my sales. Dr. Anya's director of my coaching. It's like, I just kind of peek out and say, hey, guys, you know, it's like, yeah, we're working, boss. We're working, you know. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it leaves me with like, what? you know, so, you know, that's yeah. Like I do interviews like this, but I'll go upstairs. I'll, I'll eat a snack. You know, it's uh, entrepreneurship can be lonely, especially when you built yourself up this uh, silo as I have. So who knows what the future holds? Yeah. And I, at this point, I look at it very seasonally. There's some times where I want to just like travel and not really think about work very much. But other times, like, I mean, we, we got to do something with our time, right? Mm-hmm. right t- time is moving forward, whether we like it or not. And we've got to do something with our time. And and so there are seasons where I'll jump back into piano in 21 days and we'll redo things. Right now, I'm not in that season. I'm, I'm spending very little time on it. It's, it's mostly doing its own thing. But there's as far as work goes, there's not much that I enjoy uh, more than, than talking to other course creators, talking to people like you, and then also working with course creators, you know, inside of my program to, um, to help them, you know, scale their businesses and whatnot. And it's my, you know, piano business that has allowed me the luxury to be able to do that with my time now, but having the the flexibility to not always have to work like a crazy person and, and being able to make it seasonally. Personally, I thrive in that environment. Other people like to work all the time, you know, and, and just being able to recognize the differences in, in what people want and, and recognize what your why is, I, I think, really, really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do know um, I want to inspire people. And uh, I commend you, too, for taking your available, you know, free time, your available time, and then pivoting into something else that you're interested in. So I might follow in your footsteps, uh, wealth, what was it called? Uh, Weightsandwisdom.com. I registered that and I was like, you know, what about <laughs> it? What if I bring guys into my home gym, which I actually like working um, out elsewhere, but I'll bring guys into my home gym, we'll work out, have some music behind us, and then we'll sit down like in an insight, uh, what is that, uh, impact theory type of set, and then we'll share some nuggets. So it'd be like, you work out with me, we'll share nuggets during that, and then we'll sit down and actually do the podcast, and I would call it Weights and Wisdom. So even to your audience, like I'm always going through these concepts of, like, what do I want to do with my free time in my 40s? What do I... What do I else do I want to do? And um, that might be something too. Fit founders along the same line, so you can consolidate consolidate those ideas. So yeah, I love that you're. You, we seem like the same type of person where we have our music thing and it, it they do well, but then we've also got this other itch that we want to scratch. And uh, I think that's just the entrepreneurial paradox in and of itself. An entrepreneur, like I said, is an entrepreneur, and so we always got to just. Yeah, everything you can do, should you do? Um, that's the question I always ask myself. But I do think I'm at a precipice as well. Interesting. Well, I'll be I'll be following you to to see what what comes next. You mentioned po- possibly uh, writing a book. I would definitely sign up to be on that wait list. Uh, speaking of books, what what are some of your top uh, book recommendations out there? 
I'm actually reading a book called The Beginning of Infinity right now. It's not for the faint of heart. I actually, me and a buddy, we talk about it every day um, at 4.30. So later today, we'll be on Zoom going over like chapter eight or whatever. And that just te- um, talks about thinking and how um, society, we can go to infinity in terms of the knowledge that we we gain about the world, the universe, you know, Elon and multiplanetary becoming multiplanetary species and things like this. This guy says there's no end to that. Like in any thinking that would tell you that we're finite and we can't, he'd say you should dismiss that. And and all that, you know, what brings about change is better explanations. So that's what I'm learning from that book. But it, it took like eight chapters just to get that sentence from it. <laughs> but um, in terms of just more practical things, um, atomic habits, that's been uh, that's been that's been a cool one. Um, obviously the staples, like I like persuasion. I like things like triggers, uh, Joe Sugarman. I like things like influence, Robert Cialdini. Um, I like things like, um, Dan Airely, irrational, unpredictable, unpredictably irrational. I always get those wrong. Um, those are some of my top. Also like the, like the spiritual things, like the four agreements. I like that kind of stuff. So when I'm in Fiji, I'll bring that kind of book. Um, Compound effect. That's a book I last read with my kids, you know, just teaching them about just, you know, double that penny every day. You don't have to hit it out of the park. That's that same consistency line um, with the, the the producing content. Just a penny a day. Just let that double. And soon, you know, it'll look like millions, you know, but it'll take some time to do that. Um, and we're reading Ryan Holiday's. Uh, which one is it? Um, man, he's just, he just cranks out books. Like I thought I was keeping up with his books and then all of a sudden he's got 10 more. So I, I, I don't even know which one you'd be referring to. Yeah. That. It's it's this trilogy with the virtues, that one, you know, I can't even remember, but, uh, yeah, it's this trilogy with virtues and something else. So we're going through that one. And, um, so, uh, just love a good read. Um, and I got the classics behind me every once in a while. I'll, um, I'll get into some like those are some of like the the classics that go back, I mean, probably a couple thousand years. If I'm in a in a bored mood, I'll I'll read some of that. I like even Freud and psychoanalysis and um just uh, anything eclectic going going around the world. I, I got a knack for like learning about like ancient Egypt and Sumerian stuff. And um I don't know, I think knowledge um that's the that's the difference maker. You know, anything can be solved. Any problem in your life can be solved by just um, knowing better. Well, most problems, you know, knowing better and applying that knowledge. So and um, and that, that's how I live. Jermaine, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on. It's been a pleasure to, to meet you in this setting and um, for being so generous with your time. I, I, I probably told you this already, but from the day I started this podcast five years ago, you were, you were on the short list of people I wanted to have on one day. And uh, so thank you for agreeing to come on, man. Oh, man, Um, the pleasure is mine. I see that helmet in the back. You play football? (laughs) (laughs) I'm honored that you would even think that I played football, man. I played in in high school. I played the two most high-impact sports. I I was on the golf team, and I did cross-country. Oh, Um, nice. But I live live, – yeah, I, I live um, a little bit outside of New Orleans, Louisiana, and Baton Rouge, and, and we uh, we have LSU here, and uh, I live about a, a mile from the campus, and we're big LSU fans, football, baseball, basketball, and so I'm just a big fan of the, of their football team. I never actually, I've never put that helmet on. <laughs> 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, the pleasure has been mine, man. Um, you're an easy host and I'm sorry I didn't give you an opportunity to ask more questions, but uh, <laughs> you're right. Sometimes I can just go, but um, pleasure is mine. And uh, if your audience wants to reach me, you got hearandplay.com, you got automation clinic and you got uh, beginnerbusinessschool.com. But yeah, okay. What's that? Because I was I was going to close out by asking, like, you mentioned all these things we could you could be doing. Like, if somebody wants to follow and see what you release next, where would they go? Is what is what is that last one you mentioned? Yeah, because automation clinic is so geeky. I mean, it's not for like I said, it's not for the faint of heart. So um, I felt the need to then release beginner business school, which was more like, hey, find find your here and play. What's your thing? It doesn't need to be the thing you went to school for because I didn't go to school. It's basically how to find your here and play based on Ikigai, based on where your love meets any kind of skill that you have, where the world needs it and where you can get paid for it. And when those four things come together, um, that's, you know, that's the thing that you can thrive in or at least explore. So beginner business school just takes folks from like, like my grandma could join that. (laughs) And that's what I wanted to create because automation clinic just felt so um, exclusive. Cool. All right, Jermaine, we'll wrap it there, man. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. All right, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to Jermaine for being so generous with his time. It was such a pleasure to get to know him. And I mean, he's just, you know, I've looked up to him for so long and he's just a regular guy, right? He's just a regular guy. And and it was um, it was a real pleasure on my side. I'm sure you could see that come through uh, from me in the conversation too. So I hope you were able to enjoy that as well. This has been episode 191 of the Online Course Show. So you can find all the, the notes and any links we talked about by finding the show notes at oc.show slash 191. And if you wanna keep learning, you want to learn what I have figured out as the online course business formula, then I've got some free training for you that will help you start or grow your online course business and really help you figure out what it, what are those things that you should be working on to actually move the needle. No more going about and doing things that you're not sure if they're gonna work, you're just throwing things at the wall. Let's get a proven plan together to move forward and get results. You can find that free training at OC Formula. Hope to see you there. This has been another episode, once again, 191 of the Online Course Show. Thanks for being here. I'll see you next time.